The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am in an excellent mood. I am so, so happy. And not just because I got the answer right on the third line in Wordle, I am a god among men, but just excited for the co-host that we are bringing to the proceedings this week, joined by Elisa Rockdock. Hello, Elisa. Hi. Hello, it's really, really good to be back on the show. It is so good to see you. Look, here's the thing, champ, all right? I have just a giant pile of Elisa topics this week (laughs) that we have just been squirreling away since 2021. And then this week, just a whole bunch more Elisa topics just tumbled into our lives. And so... I'm at I'm at a loss here, okay? Because there are so many things that you are so equipped to talk with us about, okay? Oh, like <laughs> music industry and pop culture matters big and small. Like, do I want to lean on your expertise as an indie creator and talk about Ooh. this new post from Zach O'Malley Greenberg of Forbes talking about the 10 biggest earning artists? Ooh. Do I want to bring your phd in gender and rock music to bear and have you opine on this taylor swift uh damon albarn feud do i want to bring in your expertise in gaming as a former gaming industry executive and have you talk about the microsoft activision merger like, i'm not executive <laughs> soup, soup real real impressive all right Or, like, is this just, like, do I want to bring, like, my favorite Weird Al fan to talk about Weird Al's new movie that's coming out? Um, Or, like, you're also my go-to on all things football, and so I kind of just want to, like, talk about the insane weekend of football we had. Oh, my gosh. There's there's too much. Is this show only an hour? Uh, Yes, because of radio. Like, the the constraints of satellite radio. Who do we talk to about this? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like just a, just like a weight on my shoulders, and, and and most weeks an hour is fine. We get to everything we want to get to. We feel like everything got properly discussed. But this week, I don't know what I'm going to do. I oh, mean, no, 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 no. I'm 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 a grad student three times over. I am verbose. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only time, and I have the time today. Well, so I'm very excited. <laughs> this I, I I share your excitement, and I know that the viewers and listeners who are going to be part of this conversation are going to want more from you when all this is over they're going to want to hear more of your thoughts and opinions on all these different subject areas where you're an expert before we get started can you tell the folks about your patreon that's going on right now Oh, sure thing yes so um hello everybody in case you don't know me i am elisa rock doc also known as elisa melendez dr elisa melendez if you're nasty and it is my honor to 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 live my life basically as as kind of a bard. I'm a musician, I'm a voice actress, um doing a combination of commercial and video game and audiobook voice acting. Um I'm a content creator on TikTok as well as Twitch. Um I'm in the process of recording a new EP and I got my PhD studying the intersection of gender and rock music, specifically as they pertain to rock music video games uh, like Rocksmith and Rock Band, um, and highlighting what happens when you translate the music industry world into a game that's supposed to simulate that and what kind of gender baggage goes along with it. If any of that content interests <laughs> you at all, um, all my thoughts and musings about music, uh, EP progress, all of that jazz, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Elisa Rockdoc for a kind of one-stop shop to support all of the chaotic chill <laughs> that's going on <laughs> up 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 in this particular piece. So um so yeah, hope to hope to see you around uh, Twitch, uh, TikTok, Patreon, all that jazz. I am Elisa Rockdoc on all things social media if I got there on time. 
And I know what you're thinking, viewers and listeners. I'm like, surely Ryan can't possibly be bringing us any more cool content creators this week. Surely Elisa is more than enough. But no, oh, no. because coming up later in the show, our guest this week, Tara Davina, musician, career coach, former record executive, uh, works with creator clients, has a lot of great insight for us, and she's going to play a song for us. And so all that's coming up after the break. So, yeah, it, it is a jam-packed show. Let us waste no more time. Let us filibuster no more. Let us invoke cloture on this and get right to it. Um, I, I want to first talk about this this music industry thing uh, okay. with that uh, that Zach O'Malley Greenberg of Forbes posted, former Break the Business guest. Uh, we love him around here uh, because it brings up a discussion that I often hear with creators, which is, look, Ryan, you always tell us it's so important to hold on to our masters. It's so yeah. important to hold on to our publishing. But like, is it really? Is it really like, I mean, if can't, I mean, you know, it's copyrights. What are copyrights? There's these things that float out into the ether. It's like a little thing with a C around it. What does it mean? You know, and, and why do why are you as a lawyer always pounding the table to try to keep these rights for your clients any way that you can beg, borrowing and stealing to make it happen? And I'm going to show you why in one very strangely drawn chart. Uh, Lauren, can you pull up this tweet before we get to the chart? Because uh, there you go. So this is uh, from our, our friend Zach O'Malley Greenberg on Twitter. He writes, as part of my recent highest paid musicians 2021 list, the Zogblog graphics department cooked up this very advanced display to show how the top earners banked the bulk of the bucks from catalog mega deals. Mm -hmm. You can read about it. And then he puts his uh, sub stack in there and it's a great sub stack and you should check it out. So I want to show you the lovely chart he put together. Can we blow that up? Oh, Lord is ready. Uh, maybe even bigger. Is there a way we can just like get our heads out of there? Because I really just want to absorb the greatness that is this chart. Okay. So viewers and listeners, here's what you're looking at. All right. This is this is the, the list of the labeled on this chart. No. Yeah. This would uh, this definitely be like a C plus in pre-algebra at best. Um, this is the list, a bar graph of the 10 highest paid musicians of 2021. So a lot of names on that list make perfect sense, right? I see the Taylor Swift on there. I yeah. see the Kanye West on there. You're like, oh yeah, makes sense. Would you have expected Elisa Motley Crue on there? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also seeing like, um, I'm, I'm also seeing some names here, like not Fleetwood Mac, but specifically Lindsay Buckingham. Specifically Lindsay Buckingham, yes. Which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ryan Tedder, number one on the list. Uh, you know, sorry, Gen Z, you lost this one. Bruce Springsteen, number one. Boss. And now what you're seeing on this graph, so I'll narrate it for the radio folks out there, yes. is there is a part that is shaded in, and then there's the part that's all white. For each bar graph where it's shaded in, that is income produced from those artists selling their catalogs in 2021. So the reason why Motley Crue, who's a band that I don't think has put out anything in at least 20, 30 years, is the number eight highest paid musician of 2021 is they sell their they sold their catalog to an investment group for almost a hundred million dollars. And so that allowed them to overtake even Taylor Swift. As one of the highest paid musicians of 2021, Bruce Springsteen, same thing, sold his uh, catalog for over half a billion dollars and uh, went right to the top of the list. And so when artists tell me, why do I need to hold on to my masters? Why do I need to hold on to my publishing? This is why, because the biggest earners in the business right now are not the, uh, the millennial and Gen Z musicians that are topping the charts today. It's oh, the God, legacy artists. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's making any money. That's right. It's but it's the <laughs> legacy artists that held on to their stuff, <laughs> or found a way to get their stuff back, and now they are selling it for just unconscionable, sacrilegious amounts of money. So, in one very strangely drawn chart by our friend Zach O'Malley Greenberg of Forbes, you see why it's important to hold on to your copyrights. All right. So now, now, now what happens as a result of this? I'm Bruce Springsteen. I make a chunk of change selling my catalog. How does that work for me vis-a-vis -vis, like mechanical royalties and all that stuff going forward once they're no longer my masters because I sold? Well, generally, the way that these are structured is sometimes they're structured as just an assignment of copyright. Sometimes you sell the 
copyrights to a company, like some kind of shell corporation, that has a right to all the royalties, and then you sell that company to somebody. But right, so for Bruce Springsteen, he's not going to be seeing consistent royalties from this catalog anymore because now it's going to this investment vehicle. But he's gotten paid a massive lump sum that will, you know, that will just create generational wealth for him Mm -hmm. and all of the, and for many Springsteen generations to come. (laughs) But the only way that that, that catalog accrued that value is because he had to buy and hold, right? He had to create mm-hmm. those songs, own them for decades so that they could accrue in value. If these, if this publishing was something that he lost early or in his, and he wasn't able to keep his masters, somebody else, <laughs> i.e. a label mm-hmm. or a publishing company would be uh, controlling most of this catalog. This is why copyrights are valuable and you got to hold on to them as a creator. There you go. There you go. And 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 that everything else that includes everything from like merch to well, I guess not touring, but um, <laughs> merch, touring, brand deals, probably for the most part. Yep. Um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Every th- every different way that an artist can make music. I mean, they're starting to tour again. So touring, uh, you know, merchandising, licensing, uh, whatever money can come in from Spotify. You know, it's a tiny little part of the bar chart, but it's added there. But right, again, catalog sales is is going to be where it's at for a lot of these legacy artists. All right, let me talk to you about another story, Elisa, that I, I got to get your insight on. Um, on January 24th, Taylor Swift, who I don't know if you know this, Elisa, we can't go a week on the show without celebrating her in some way. It is it's kind of our bag and we, we love her dearly. And we and when somebody comes after our Taylor, we rise up. We, uh, you see a bunch of closet Swifties here at Break the Business. Lauren, you can go ahead and put up this tweet for us. Be good. Uh, January 24th, Taylor Swift quote tweets a Los Angeles Times article in which musician Damon Albarn stated uh, that Swift, quote, doesn't write her own songs. And so in, in Swift's tweet, she said to the Blur and Gorillas frontman, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all of my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try to discredit my oh, writing. F- following, yeah, I know, the, I'm already going to get the serious XM folks mad at us, but I want to capture uh, Taylor Swift's it, anger here. It is. Yeah. Ah. So following some su- significant bl- backlash from Swift's fans on Twitter, because of course. Yeah. Uh, Alvern later apologized to her for his comments, which he said were, quote, reduced to clickbait by the publication. Now, I have 3,000 thoughts on this, but I want to defer to the person who literally has a PhD in these kind of dynamics. What did you think of this when you saw it? Okay. So. <laughs> Collect bueno, yourself. Bueno. As she starts in Spanish and adjusts her hoops for the people that are listening on radio, so you know how serious <sighs> I am. Um, first off, um, uh, do not not take accountability um, for your words when it is not an editorialized piece, but just a straight up printed Q&A with a question printed followed by your answer, which is not paraphrased or like editorialized in any way. Those are your words, brah. That ain't clickbait. You just <laughs> said that. Um, like, so it's not off, out of context. That's literally the context. That, that, that is literally the context. One, I, I mean, we, we already dropped an F-bomb, but I'll drop an F. Own your shit. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two. Um, how like many Taylor Swift does, own your shit. Well, yeah. Well, hmm. um, two, um, as, as someone who works as a communications professional and with who has dabbled in PR, um, both the smartest and most idiotic thing in the world to come after Taylor Swift. One, because congratulations, we're talking about you. Two, um, you just invoked the raft of Swifties, which like up there with Barb's and the Beehive, <laughs> like yeah. no, no, you are coming after a a a a bunch of broken-hearted women with nothing to lose. <laughs> so, you know, by, by, by activating the Swifties, you done messed up. Um, but the, the idea that 
Well, one, um, stop put uh, stop pitting women against each other, um, which kind of also goes to the interviewer. Well, I guess probably more more Damon than anything, but but the idea of like posting Billie Eilish up as this paragon versus Taylor Swift, who doesn't write quote unquote write her own songs, even though then he kind of trips over his words and is like well like billy eilish has like a thing with her brother but like there's a bajillion people on like a taylor swift record or whatever and i'm like all right cool great i would love to pull the receipts of how many people were co-writing with you a in blur and b with the gorillas yeah i checked most of his catalog has co-writers on it Right. So like so so this idea of like not writing your own songs or having some sort of like like is there a minimum percentage of lyrics and music and measures and chords and phrases that we need to write in order for that to be a proper contribution in your estimation? Um is Lennon not a songwriter nor McCartney because they wrote together <laughs> instead of separately? Like I'm trying to think of where the logic actually gets to that doesn't come from a place of solo female musician singing songs that are purported to be autobiographical for some reason that is not trusted with the same creative weight that four dudes in a garage hold. So you, for some there, reason, it's not trusted. There's a gender dynamic here. You're thinking. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah. I've noticed this. Because like this, this is a well-worn trope, right? When the the artist who writes, you know, the the female young artist who writes breakup songs, that that kind of songwriting is not ascribed the same sort of artistic weight in the eyes of some creators. But when this accusation gets lobbed, it's always at a Taylor Swift. It's always at a Selena Gomez. It's always at a Demi Lovato. It's never at a Justin Bieber. It's never at a Zayn Malik or a Harry Styles. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, and so like, but like they're kind of the same sort of pop star. The only difference is like some are men and some are women. Exactly. And and also like, I don't see, you know, un, you know, un, unless he's trying to do his like flannel country boy in the woods era um you know to make up for his blackfishing era you don't see justin timberlake up there with an acoustic guitar singing like very very thinly thinly veiled autobiographical songs yeah you know like justin timberlake's not like, locking himself in a cabin with the national and you know creating the album of the year yeah despite despite what the music video for that song might suggest justin timberlake did not write cry me a river about britney <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Not what I mean. Gotcha. So like it's it's it is it is the idea that is present in a lot of music and you can read my uh my PhD dissertation on this very topic on elisamelendez.com. Also, you could throw me throw, throw me some coin at the Patreon for this info, but it it is part of a a common thread and you see this across a lot of industries that are typically male-dominated industries where women often have to prove themselves twice as hard and work just as hard and they have to write produce everything 100 percent themselves with no help they have to be playing the guitar if you're orianthe and you're producing a pop song that features you playing guitar that music video better have a close-up <laughs> of your hands on the fretboard to prove that it is actually you playing that because people still don't believe that women can be as creatively competent at songwriting and instrumentation. Oh and my it, god, it, we yeah. we need to stop everything because <laughs> that that Orionthe reference is such a deep cut. And for like the two people that are viewing or listening to this who know what you're talking about, you are so dead on. All right. The homework assignment you. for everybody listening or watching this podcast. <laughs> Watch the according to you music video by Orionthe. She's an incredibly gifted guitarist, and in the music video, some record executive had the idea that we need the world to know that this is a girl who can play guitar. And so in the video, am I describing this right? They put the damn fretboard right in front of the video, like right at the front of the camera, and you can't even see the video, and they just want you to see her fingers on the fretboard. And by the way, like bird's eye view of fretboard, not the most flattering angle for a guitarist. It's it's not great. And it's, <laughs> it's it's 
but you know it's it, it just sucks right because it's like what what is the difference it's not only you know woman with guitar not taken as seriously but it's also i think oftentimes like the subject matter of the songs it's somehow like singing about heartbreak doesn't carry the same weight when it's yeah. you know from taylor versus like oh but you know you know but but but, but yet you know i i, I want to hold your hand classic um but like it's it's this weird double standard that we are often still held to. And as much as you want to think that like, Oh, but you know, but, but I uplifted Billie Eilish. I'm not, you know, attacking women, but at the same time, it's like you bring up this like kind of cool brother, sister garage dynamic, but somehow if it's a little too polished or a little too perfect, if you, maybe you work a little too hard or you're a little too proud of yourself, then you need to get knocked down a peg. And oftentimes that kind of pride in your work, you know, Kanye can be a genius and be arrogant about all of his stuff, but someone takes a little bit of pride, re-records their stuff so that they can have ownership of their stuff, and all of a sudden it's like, whack, you know? We, we, we got to knock down the proud woman a peg oftentimes, and I feel like this is another example of that. Absolutely. And to me, the broader lesson of your spitting, by the way, is just great. No, no, no. <laughs> um, just great stuff. But to me, the broader lesson that indie creators can pull from this story, because, you know, we try to bring it back to, you know, like, what does Taylor Swift have to do with, you know, everyday creators who are checking out this? But what I think this gets back to, and we talked about this a little bit when this was like a few weeks ago on the podcast, we did about 20 minutes on this poor girl who uh, harmonized with the song As the World Caves In oh, on TikTok. God. And everybody just dumped on her. And the lesson from that was, guys, it's really hard to be a creator. Whether you're Taylor Swift or whether you're Elisa Rockdoc or you're anybody, it is tough out there. Don't make it harder for your fellow creators by being a jerk to them. Like, let's all be on the same team because it's so hard out there. If you want to get your jokes off, you can get your jokes off in the group chat with your friends that surely you have, don't you? Don't <laughs> drop it in the comments section of people. Yeah. I'm just saying, get your get your jokes off in the group chat and leave creators alone to live their damn lives and produce stuff. Yeah. Unless they're being extremely problematic and need to be called out or called in or et cetera. But still, like it is a valid harmony that that person did. It works in music theory. <laughs> And and I don't know, it, like it, it it works. I don't know. I I could go on about that harmony thing too. Well, but Fail. again, even if it even if it didn't work, right? Even if like you know, if if you are of because you know, music of you know, art is up to interpretation. And even if it just objectively didn't work, if the consensus was of everybody in music that wasn't good, keeping your mouth shut is an option. Yeah, there's you can say nothing. <laughs> For 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 my D and D nerds, I I wish I could give. I feel bad because I want to give the proper credit for this, um, but like shutting the f up is a free action. Yeah. <laughs> for all my D and D nerds, you don't have there. to roll for that. Like, also, like one of the things as a creator, if you if you are on the receiving end, one of the things that I've sort of seen some folks take. I'm I'm the squishiest person. Um, as 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 I'm as I'm sure we will discuss with our guest eventually, I am, I am a Capricorn sun, Capricorn rising, but I am a cancer moon and I am very, very squishy. So one of the things that I'm trying to adopt when I see like bad comments or something is like, well, put your social media person hat on and realize that's engagement, baby. <laughs> they just viewed and engaged with your content, baby. They're just driving <laughs> your numbers up, baby. That's all they're doing. So it's been make the algo know, real good to you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's like, you are only, by by commenting on stuff you hate and telling people you hate it, you are only boosting it more. So there you go. So so if you were on the receiving end of that, you know, grats on your clicks. Unfortunately, don't don't use that as a as a way to receive clicks. Don't don't intentionally do that because that's just not fun for the internet. But like, you know, you see a hater. Thanks for the engagement, bud. <laughs> Appreciate the view. All right. Turning us now to your gaming background. I knew we, I'm so glad we were going to get this story in. All right. We're going to, we're, we're going to break in just a second. We're going to bring in Tara Davina. I'm excited to talk to her, but love to get your thoughts. You know, gaming industry executive, at least you're 
Want to get your thoughts on the Microsoft Activision merger, a $68 billion acquisition. Mm. Uh, Say the number. Round it up. 60, 69, <laughs> a nice $69 billion merger uh, where the uh, Microsoft is going to acquire the developer that has brought us Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Call of Duty, Candy Crush, uh, brings us Major League Gaming. This is a huge acquisition. It is nine times as big as Microsoft's Bethesda buyout. What was that, last year, a few years ago? Yeah, like like a couple tops. Yeah, not even that long ago. And so, I mean, Microsoft is trying to make a play for something here, Elisa. Like, maybe, maybe it's just about vertically integrating into, you know, creating content. Maybe there is a metaverse play to be had here. <laughs> what's What's going on? I have thoughts on the metaverse, but we're going to put that, we're going to put that in a drawer. I'm going to set that aside. Um, um, what I will say is there, there, there are, there are a lot of different perspectives on this. One of them is, wow, is all this consolidation good? <laughs> um, uh, two, um, based on, uh, the history of Activision Blizzard, one would hope that this um, is a, a significant positive change for the employees that work at Activision Blizzard King um, and all, you know, owned subsidiaries. Therefore, I hope that it becomes a positive change uh, for them um, in terms of um, diversity, inclusion, just better labor practices for the making of games in general. Um, Microsoft has has good sort of outward PR for that sort of thing. So it seems like on paper, it seems like it could be a potentially a very positive change with Phil Spencer at the head of gaming and a, a pretty decent looking uh, Xbox gaming board. Um, hoping that uh, Bobby gets run out the paint. Unfortunately, if and when he does, he's still going to get a paycheck and will probably have learned nothing from the experience um, and will continue to fail upward as so many in his position have and continue to do uh, in the game industry and industries beyond. However, as a consumer of Game Pass, this sounds great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? It. it <laughs> It continues to make um, um, Xbox Game Pass one of the best, if not the best, deals in gaming. Um, as a as a personal um, user of Game Pass, um, the idea that I can get so many not only indies but a lot of classics um, and a lot of new things, kind of day and date on the console, um, that for a relatively decent price huge library of stuff that obviously because of this acquisition will will only keep growing um there are games that i i feel like my my threshold for starting a game is considerably lowered because of game pass so i'm consuming a lot more gaming content yeah um and then because and and i think some of the curation is actually pretty decent there have been a decent amount of releases and they kind of come with it like every month with some new awesome drops um as somebody who was a long-term subscriber of world of warcraft and stopped because it just felt gross as hell to continue <laughs> to be playing activision blizzard king properties um you know while they're not being um good to their workers yeah. um you know that that felt gross i'm hoping that this this merger is a uh, signals a significant sea change um in how those workers are treated and i hope that that will only make sure that better better and more awesome entertainment is produced as a result i am um cautiously optimistic but also as a woman in the gaming industry highly skeptical <laughs> see this is this is why i like talking to you about these kind of stories because i didn't even think of that dimension of this right like in the you know the the these ideas of I mean first of all like the way women are treated in in game developing not spectacular but also just like the crunch conditions we always hear about this term crunch and how uh, employees in this industry are overworked and what you just brought to me is the prospect that perhaps a a Microsoft oversight or Overwatch over the uh, over Activision Blizzard could create 
labor practices for game developers at under that roof that are better and maybe could have ripple effects throughout the industry that's a d dimension of this that if if it's true it'd be great still unionize them <laughs> what, what 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 i hope this doesn't do um is i hope this doesn't dampen a lot of the good work um that the that the strike force uh for activision blizzard king a better abk um i hope it doesn't dampen the efforts for them to fight for practices and think that like oh well we just got bought so everything's cool and everything can stop now like no that doesn't mean that fighting for better labor practices stops here or like oh well let's see how this works out before we no like the fight continues um and and it's it's i hope that as a result of maybe my being on the show, um, but also just generally, like, I, I hope in general for a gaming industry that is a little bit more transparent about its practices and how these things get made. And that's also, like, one, one of the things that I'm very interested in is education on how games get made so that folks can understand what it actually takes to put these things together and, like, the human cost of your entertainment. And, like, just think about that for, like, two seconds <laughs> that's all i ask of folks listening just think about what it costs to make your entertainment not just the physical cost but the but the human cost of making these things you love we'd love very much for this to be one of the four uh, that you can spread that message out on elisa grateful for your insight as always we're gonna take the quickest of breaks and then we're gonna have tara davina join us don't go anywhere keep uh, hanging out with us here on break the business Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. All you beautiful people to break the business here on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, YouTube Live, Sirius XM 145, and on all those crazy podcast platforms. Wherever you're checking us out, we are happy to have you. Ryan Corelli here with Elisa Rockdoc. Joining us as our guest this week is a musician, career coach, and former record executive who helps her creator clients with making a living from their creativity and finding creative inspiration. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.taradavina.com. We are thrilled to welcome Tara Davina on to Break the Business. Hello, Tara. Hello. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. Just, I'm such a fan of what you bring to the table, right? In the first segment, I was talking about how Elisa brings all these hats, and it led to a great conversation. And you got a similar vibe going. You know, you're a coach, you're a musician, and you have a background as a record executive, and if you've had a chance to sniff around what we do here at Break the Business even a little bit, you'll know that I have kind of a, it's called a skeptical relationship uh, towards the label model. So I love the idea that I'm getting to talk with an insider about this. All right, you were an executive at Warner Music Group. You oversaw digital sales and marketing for the independent music arm. And 
I want to talk to you about this. I've always found myself increasingly frustrated with the way that major labels market musicians that they sign from the independent world. I see it time and time again where they find some indie musician that's lighting up YouTube and is getting some buzz, maybe on SoundCloud. They sign that musician and then you never hear from them again. Maybe 18 months later, they put out a single that doesn't sound anything like what they were doing on SoundCloud. And you're like, oh, I kind of remember that artist. And then like they're gone. And then you never hear from them again. And somebody owns their masters. And, and it breaks my heart. I mean, and is, is this something you saw in your operation? Did it perhaps drive the reason why you do what you do now? Absolutely. And I mean, there were some indie labels which really they really knew how to market. They really understood organic marketing. And I got to witness some of them. Like just an example was um, one of the labels I worked at distributed drive-through records, probably remember them. And um, a lot of the artists that were on there um, really did very well. You know, like they kept the organic development of those artists and fostered that and didn't get in the way. And I think what I saw that didn't work was exactly what you spoke about just now, which is that the labels would take a perfectly great developing artist with a fan base and kind of make everything feel artificial and strange and um, disjointed and interrupt the process instead of enhancing it. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that I feel like labels are getting a little more clever at promoting the indie artist than uh, especially in the last most recent years. Elisa, surely you have heard about this uh, this artist Gail, who does the song A B C D E F U. Um, mm. You know, you know, it's a it's a you know super big. I think it's like number one on the charts or something close to that. And that's an artist that got their start on TikTok, but now there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt around the industry that her meteoric rise, which looked completely TikTok organic. Uh was actually a little like contrived by a label because mm. she she puts out a video on TikTok one day where she says, I need inspiration for songs, TikTok followers, give me one. And then a fo and a follower comments, you should write a breakup song about the alphabet. And she's like, oh yeah. And then she comes she supposedly comes oh, up no, with no, A B C D E F U. It becomes this massive hit. But then people started digging. They looked at the person who wrote the comment they did, you know, they did some like, you know, that that kind of really crazy Google foo that Gen Zers do. They found out that the account belonged to a promoter at Atlantic Records. And that plan from the beginning was to, you know, organic, you know, fake organic grow this song. And so like the labels would have never thought about that 10, 20 years ago. They're, they are getting more clever. <laughs> to that credit, yeah. although, you know, they could have funneled that money through a couple of more steps to like another influencer instead of somebody so easily tracked but maybe yeah maybe not use the first and last name of the atlantic records executive as your tiktok profile just saying like the gen zers would have found it anyway but you know don't make it easy for them um so, but I, I am curious now, I mean, because, you know, you're not with the labels anymore. You're a coach now. You work with indie creators, which we love. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, what sort of drove you to this new stage in your life? Honestly, I just walked into my amazing job and my amazing office one day, and I thought to myself, I'd actually just rather be dead than keep doing this <laughs> corporate life. I know it sounds kind of heavy, but it was it was the truth. You know, I just reached this point where I realized everything I was doing was completely meaningless, meaningless to me, meaningless to the artists, meaningless to the labels. And I really wanted meaning. And so I set off on a quest to find that for myself. And I took some detours, you know, like I didn't get straight into creative business coaching or even music. Um, weirdly enough, I became a Vedic astrologer, which is a form of ancient Indian astrology, um, predicting people's futures. It was the wildest um, detour on my path, but it was amazing. And it led me to rediscover what purpose is and what it feels like to be genuinely fulfilled in the work that we do. And I was eventually able to circle back around to my original passions for music and for art and to develop those. And then now I get to support entrepreneurs in pursuing their artistic dreams and actually finding ways to monetize that within their own business ecosystem. 
And I do want to talk to you all about that because that is absolutely the focus of this show. However, I feel like I would be just burying the lead under like a thousand feet of dirt if I didn't go back to this whole Vedic astrology thing, because <laughs> that sounds really fascinating and interesting. And uh, I'm just, I, I want to do a few minutes to learn more about that. I, I sort of missed it. Like, I'm sure Elisa knows this stuff because she's kind of the resident astrologer of our duo. But <laughs> what is a Vedic astrologer? Great question. <laughs> so this ancient Indian form of astrology was passed down from teacher to student in, as an oral tradition for 5,000 years. And it kind of looks like the astrology that most of us have heard of, which is called Western astrology. But it's actually, it's different. It's a much more kind of wild and woolly system. It's a lot more mathematical and detailed and only a completely crazy person would sign up to learn it and study it for 12 years, as I have. And um, it's really detailed and gets right in there into very specific predictions about the future. So this isn't like Cancer, Sagittarius, Aquarius astrology. There's something else going on here. Right. Like the signs might sound the same, but it's a completely different interpretation and a different utilization of those signs. All right. <laughs> um, hey, I am I am all for whatever brings you on your journey to helping indie creators. I am glad you are here, Tara Davina. One of the things that you, I know you devote a lot of your time to in your coaching practice is helping your creator clients with core message marketing, you know, creating mm -hmm. a solid message that will help them kind of cut through a very saturated creator marketplace. Uh, do you have any sort of general advice on what creators can do to find that core message? Like think of somebody like Elisa, who is so good at so many things. And I don't think there's a lot of folks like her out there in the music biz as a creator. You know, she does, she's got the PhD. She's a, you know, great so podcaster, great live streamer, great musician, uh, you know, gaming industry executive. <laughs> How do you take somebody like her that's got so many cool things going on and find a core message there? Oh, such a good question. And first of all, I totally understand your plight because I too have five businesses yeah. that I run. And it would be crazy Ooh. making if there wasn't a golden thread running through them all that links them together, right? Otherwise, my brain would be constantly having to completely do a 180 to switch to work on each business. But mm -hmm. as you probably know, even if you can't name your core message, you have one that is very visible to other people at the very least. It's that common message, that thing that you stand for above everything else. And so if you were my client, I would probably take you through a slightly dark, uh, very fast thought experiment to start. I'm curious if you're open to that. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You had us, you had us at dark. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's oh, a little, uh, it's morbid, but it's good. It you you had us at morbid. Let's, sure. let's get real weird. <laughs> Okay, let's get started. So I have some very bad news for you, which is that this is actually not just a podcast, but this is your last five minutes on planet Earth. This is it for you. Holy crap. But oh, I'm glad I did my makeup. Okay. <laughs> you look great. For your death I, I'm glad I have earrings in. That's like the most important part. <laughs> An amazing hair. Thank you. So the silver lining is that, as you know, we're recording here, and um, Ryan and I have arranged for all the inhabitants of planet Earth to receive the message you are about to give. I'm going to give you a prompt, and it's going to be translated into all the languages. Every single human being is going to hear this. So the rule is you only have five seconds to answer the question and um, no time to think about it. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so excited. So, so, so my, my message to the world. Okay. I'm going to prompt you. With oh, you're getting prompted. Oh, okay. Ready? So the question is, what is your final instruction to all the inhabitants of planet Earth on how to live life? Go. Sing, dance, make merry, and think a little bit more about the people that make your favorite things. And try making one yourself. Boom! That is oh. so beautiful. 
That was I off the it. top of the dome, Rock Doc? <laughs> That's I mean, because she knows. She but knows like, her to be fair, in the last couple of years, <clears throat> I've it, 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 I've had a lot of time to think about why I'm here, <laughs> and 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 what what makes me happy. Um. So so yeah, that's that's definitely been top of mind. So, but but I appreciate that though, and I'm glad I was able to pull that out. And it's not, um, you know, so long. And thanks for all the fish, or you know, something. Like that. <laughs> that's that's what I would have came up with. So I'm glad she went to you with that. Um, uh, yeah. It, so in addition to the core powerful, message, though. yeah, no, I, I feel tingly. It was great. In addition to the core me message marketing of what you do in your coaching, I know you also, you help a lot with artists who are just creatively struggling. You know, they got that classic creator's block, writer's block, something like that. Mm. I would imagine that, you know, many of the people viewing or listening are either now or at some point in the past or surely some point in the future will have those creative blocks. Is there any sort of advice you impart to creators to help them work through that? Yeah. So my favorite piece of guidance is to say, start where you are, because a lot of times we're feeling blocked. We're saying, okay, I feel blah. I feel stuck. There's not much going on or I feel crappy and I wish I was feeling great. And so we're waiting to get to that next state so we can be creative instead of mining the gold that's right in front of us. And in any given moment, we're having a relatable human experience that has gems of gold in it, right? And if we can be truthful, like bottom of the barrel honest about what we're experiencing right now, it will inspire people, no question. And if we can connect that to our core message, even better. Wow. Whew. I I know. I I dig that. That's incredible. And I think I've heard versions of that before where in a lot of ways creator's block comes from when you are not finding truth, where you're not mm. finding that kind of honesty. And so that that does mesh with stuff I've heard before, which is uh, really, really awesome. Uh, yeah, see, at least I knew you'd get along with oh. Tara. So, so yeah, she, she's an astrologer and, you know, has great, gives great coaching advice to creators like you. Uh, also, I, I believe as a, a Siberian cat, I know, oh. I know you're something of a cat official. Oh, tell me we can get the cat on the show. Do you want me to grab him? Yes. He's right here. Okay, hold on. Absolutely. First podcast. All right, buddy. I I'm going to let her like tell it. you what the cat's name is. Okay, hold on. Oh, you know? Oh, no. I know, oh, but totally I, I, want, I want her to say it. Oh, how exciting. <gasps> oh, look at that. Beautiful. Can you tell Elisa your cat's name, please? This is Perseus Romeo Puff Kitty the first. <laughs> oh, oh RIP headphone users. That was a squeal of delight. That is so oh. Yeah. Future yeah. note to all break the business guests, your domesticated or frankly non-domesticated pets are always welcome on this Please. program. God, where does the fluff end and the cat begin on that cat? Oh, all right. All right, I'm in a good mood, and I think we're about to get into a better one here. Here's what I'd like to do, Tara. Um, I would love it if you would be so kind as to play some music for us. We would adore that. But, but before you bring that out, uh, we'll close on that. But before we have you play, I'd love to ask you the final question we ask all the guests here on the program. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? My biggest tip is to get really creative with what you monetize. Like literally anything you love to do, you can make really good money from. And it's not nearly as hard as you think. That's my favorite thing to coach people on because it's so much fun to watch people light up when they realize that they can make money doing anything that they love to do. Even if it's not like, if you're a musician, if it's not just selling albums, right? There's other things you love to do in your life and you can make money doing them and have love. a lot of fun. It's one of the coolest things I enjoy about this new creative revolution we're in right now is not just, not, not just that there's more monetary opportunities for independent creators, but that the ways in which independent creators can make money, even just musicians can make money. There's so many more revenue streams that existed now than did 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. It used to be just sell albums, go on tour. 
Now it's live streaming, it's crowdfunding, it's uh, merchandising, it's a billion other things. And it, it's a so whatever way you think, you know, that you could whatever way of making money applies to your skill set, you can definitely make it happen. Great insight from our guest, Tara Davina. You can find out more about her work by visiting T-A-R-A-D-I-V-I-N-A.com. Would you be so kind, Tara, as to close us out with a little bit of music? Oh, I would be so honored to do so. Yeah. And I will share a clip of my very long new song. Um, it's called Made for These Times, and it can be found everywhere music is found. And here's just a little taste of it. We are ready for what's here. We can rise above. We are ready to create a world that's filled with love. This is our chance to be the angels. This is our chance to write the book of the life we know is part. When we close our eyes and look, when we close our eyes and look, when we close our eyes and for these times oh we were made for these times we were made for these times oh we were made for these times we were made for these times oh we were made for these times we were made for these We've been getting ready all of our lives. We've been getting ready all of our lives. We are so powerful. We are so powerful, we hold the power to make our visions real. We are so powerful, we are so powerful, we hold the power to make our visions real in the darkness of the night we forget that the sun rise always comes never fails the light returns and we are richer than we know. Tara Davina, everybody on Break the Business. Oh my gosh, that was magical. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Again, you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.taradivina.com. Thank you so much for being on the show with us this week. Please don't be a stranger. We love your insight. We'd love to have you on again real soon. I'd love that. Thanks so much.
Elisa, I can't believe you answered that question that well off the top of your damn head. What was that? That was special. That, that was um, uh, one improv workshop I took in high school. And oh, hey, there's Ruby. Yeah, speaking of that, cats, your cat just that. jumped into the Perfect shot. That's cool. Timing. She has the best comedic timing in the world. Um, for those listening at home, um, I don't know. Follow at Elisa Rock Doc for, for, for more shots of Ruby, my my new cat who just popped up on her perch with one second left in the show. Um, <laughs> no, it's but 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 to to that point, I've had a lot of time over the last few years to to really think about what what my mission is on this earth actually um but sometimes you just have to like look no matter what it is that you do um find that thread that will jazz you that's that's so important and just like that whatever golden it is thread do, as tara called it whether it's like you know like what what do i do i host educational videos i do audio book vo i stream i write music and and really the 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 main goal of that is is to entertain um kind of be be an irl bard <laughs> in a sense like entertain and and inspire and also educate a little bit um cuz once once a teacher always a teacher i can't i can't get rid of that um I, I, I have way too many letters and way too much student debt to, <laughs> to, to not use it. <laughs> and again, folks, could not recommend enough that you check out Elisa's Patreon. It's already really great, and you can tell that she's building something real special and is going to bring all these different things together in one golden thread. And you want to be there it. for it. And <laughs> what was that? Don't oversell it. <laughs> I I I assure you I'm not like don't 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 do that don't do that like you know millennial I gotta like push myself down thing like you're you're great you're doing a lot of great stuff and there's a whole bunch of people that I see on Twitter all the time that wholeheartedly agree I'm excited to have you here I'm gonna be excited to have you uh, hanging out with us on the break the business program from time to time we got about four minutes left for our satellite radio overlords. And I want to use this time to talk about a, perhaps one of the greatest figures in not just the music industry, but all of human history. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, just a, a a person great enough that your yours truly wrote his law school note about him, which this greatest person history autographed, which I thought was very cool. We're talking of course about weird Al Yankovic. Because it is now being reported that uh, Roku is going to make a biopic about the parody musician Weird Al Yankovic starring in the titular role, one Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, And by the way, uh, Weird Al had the funniest line in the press release about this where he said, quote, I am absolutely thrilled that Daniel Radcliffe will be portraying me in the film. I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role the future generations will remember him for. That's fantastic. Like, the whole his whole press release for this movie is just completely spectacular oh. because it doesn't take itself seriously. Of you have to I be excited can. for this movie. I know you love Weird Al. I I do. I I cite um I cite Weird Al as like an actual like no joke very important songwriting influence in my life. I remember growing up with with Weird Al and parody and like the the idea of of scansion and his his command of scansion as a songwriter and like matching the rhymes up not just the end of the line but all throughout a lyric matching syllabic lines with the original tune and just the clever arrangements and his command of harmony even on some of the original tunes i could go on for days have I auditioned and performed Albuquerque as a monologue? Perhaps. <laughs> I can so, I can attest to that as a first-hand witness. <laughs> so, yes, you you've gotten parts right from Albuquerque as a monologue. You literally saw me do that. Yeah, you were you were in the room when you were in the room where it happened when that happened. <laughs> oh my heavens! And and you know what? I hate sauerkraut. That's all I'm really trying to say. I hate sauerkraut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 excited because I feel like I feel like not just as a 
as an interesting figure in terms of like this career that has spanned decades um and and his like consistent reinvention and and ways of sort of spinning music to to kind of stay relevant over the course of several decades as well spending what like five six decades at this point goes back to the 70s i mean yeah like another one rides the bus i think was like maybe mid to late 70s my bologna bananas and (laughs) but like but also the ways in which throughout the course of his career he's actually pushed a lot of conversations forward about fair use and copyright and and ownership of creative work and how much commentary you're allowed to do so i think I think people might think of him as some sort of like weird, you know, slapstick, but I hope that this biopic kind of touches on like how important some of his actions actually kind of were throughout the course of pop music history. So I'm excited. Me too. All right. Very cool. Our thanks to Tara Davina for joining us. My thanks to you, Elisa. Uh, Our guest next week, Congressman Ted Deutsch. That's going to be pretty darn exciting. Uh, Probably gonna have to wear a tie for that one. I'm not a fan of that. But uh, th- And uh, most of all, thanks to all of you for checking out Break the Business. So happy to have had you here. We'll see you next week. 